Thought. Hi everyone, welcome to season four of Blurred Thoughts. This is our last episode um, for the season. Hope you're all enjoying the new year. Um, before oh, we start, yeah. um, hi Azri. Mm -hmm. Hi Stephanie and Happy New Year to you. Although I wished you, but since we're recording, so. And Happy New Year to all our listeners. I can't believe there. Okay, so uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, um, we have to apologize for this episode being delayed. Um, it's so weird because I started getting messages from people on Instagram that, you know, they actually like the podcast and then we did not post in time. Um, <laughs> it was a mix of me being exhausted and then missing out the timing and then Stephanie was on a walk and then I fell asleep waiting so it was and just, also, yeah, just starting work last week was just not the right timing to record anything. Um, yes. But here we are. Sorry for the delay, but this is our last episode, and I'm sure we have a couple of more other seasons that we need to think about. Um, yeah. So getting on to this week's episode, um, mm -hmm. the last episode. Obviously, last week we last week last episode we talked a lot about dating, um, and in this episode we're taking that to the next level um, when dating evolves into partners and relationships. Um, and it's kind of taking taking the next step, I guess, looking at the initial view that we had in the last episode in terms of how that evolves into a more serious, permanent, stable, comfortable state of mind. Um, so Azri, would you like to kind of get deeper into what we're gonna talk about today? Oh God, uh, <laughs> yes, well, I mean, I guess, I was telling Stephanie that, you know, we're not exactly the best people to talk about this topic because we don't really have a lot of experience. And then Stephanie jumped in and or said like that, Or like Or like off. And then Stephanie said, I do have a lot of experience, but then I, I don't think I do. And I mean, even if mine, my experiences are considered actual experiences, you know, I guess I'm not sure whether we're exactly the authority when it comes to like, you know, marriages or, you know, like long-term commitments, mm -hmm. things like that. But I guess we'll do the best we can. Um, what I always... And also, just to jump in, I think it's more, I think what we want to share is more of a outsider perspective in terms of having heard the stories we've heard from mm. our friends, people we've learned from. Um, sometimes it's good to have an outsider's perspective, a fresh perspective to bring to the table. So I think that's what we're trying to do with this episode. Yeah. Continue, sorry. And also I think, uh, especially with anything, after you've had it for a long time, it's easy to sort of forget the value and forget the, you know, forget, just really forget the value. I think that's what Stephanie is trying to say. So mm. I guess the the best thing I, I could think of when we were discussing this was, was actually this saying I read somewhere that when you're dating is a lot of passion. It's a lot of heated energy. It's very strong. It's very, it's lustful. But then when you're in a marriage or long-term commitment or a long-term serious relationship, it's very calm and stable. And I remember why I thought of this saying was because when I was 19 serving the compulsory military training in Singapore, also called National Service, I was talking to my good... Okay, we were good friends back then. We're not friends. We're not talking anymore now. But uh, he was with... He was in a committed relationship for, I think, uh, several years. I think six or seven years at that point. He was a lot older than I am. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, Oh, Azri. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like... Ah, uh, even sex is boring nowadays. And I'm like, I mean, I guess, you know, after a while, it, it does... It, because it's so familiar, right? Like, you've known your partner's body every inch. You know all the things, all the kings. It, it becomes expected. It's sort of expected. But it doesn't mean that it's bad. I think that's a problem, right? A lot of people associate boredom to being bad. So I guess that's, that's the premise that we're going to start on. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so, um, Stephanie, I think you have a specific, uh, I would say, I, I was going to say analogy, no, a, a specific scenario that you've been privy to. <laughs> so, would you like yeah, to... Yeah, I think, I was just going to say, like, maybe starting with this movie I watched, um, which is a really shitty movie in terms of the storyline, but I guess it's a story that a lot of us 
now in this time, even if those events are not exactly the same, um, just kind of what you were talking about in terms of boredom. And it, it, this, the movie is called Newness. It has Nicholas Holt and a girl I can't remember her name of. Um, and it basically talks about how these two characters met an online dating app. They moved in together, um, but they all they enjoyed was that thrill or the passion that, as we said about, you know, at the beginning phase of dating and being in a committed relationship is something that both of them couldn't actually fathom or they, they just couldn't imagine themselves. Mm. So they ended up being in this relationship where they got into threesomes, they got into um, get basically living together but dating other people um, or they, they were um, basically at parties and then like, got off of um, their partner's day, like flirting with other people, which is all completely fine activities to do. And that's completely fine if that's what you're into. But I think what the movie actually showed is how that kind of element of newness and the, the need to keep things new ended up being actually impacting both of them psychologically because it ended up being a question of, am I not enough for you? Um, so they, they basically what the movie was about was how they've seen their friends be in relationships and they saw that as boring because it was stable, it was comfortable. And because of that, even early on in that relationship, they tried to make it as exciting and thrilling as possible to kind of keep up that newness in their relationship by all mm -hmm. these different things that they were doing. But ultimately, even that got boring um, or that got too, um, in a way, it became that it's set it felt like they were not enough for each other it ended up in them breaking up but then they got back together because they work things out and blah 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 but the point i was kind of saying is a lot of the times like when i hear my some of my friends who are in long-term relations of a commitment whether it's a like a few months like six months or whether it's like longer for like five six years um at some point i feel like they come to me me apparently i'm always a single friend who gives relationship advice although i've never been in one um so it's kind of like, oh, I like it's I, I love them because they've been my pillar of support. I'm comfortable with them. I'm secure. I'm stable. But, you know, it, I have nothing to look forward to. Um, I f like it, it's that element of boredom again. And I think sometimes it's kind of like they look to they look at the lives of their single friends and they think, oh, that's exciting. They're meeting new people every time. Um, and it, I think it's natural to always look outside and see what other people are going through are more fun rather than look into. And I guess the point I was trying to, it's a lot of people, I think, as Azri was saying, when they reach a point of stagnation or boredom, they think it's a bad sign. Um, and sometimes, a lot of the times, I feel like that's what breaks the couple apart or like creates the rift, not ridge, because earlier on I was going about the ridge, but it's not ridge, it's the rift. Um, and I think sometimes you, it comes down to being open about what your wants and needs are, or your desires are. And be, like, I think a lot of the times when friends come to either me or Azri about these things, they open up to us, but then they don't have that same conversation with their partners. Um, mm. And I think that's where, I guess the, not the problem, but like that's where the issue lies. Yeah, and to further expound on that point, um, I think this is something that I've, like, like Stephanie said, right? Like, I've also heard my friends complain about this. And, you know, Stephanie was saying about how a lot of times they come to us and they want to discuss this. The problem with that is that, okay, this is just my personal opinion, but I think a lot of people come into this discussing very standard things. So, normally, the most common thing that people throw out now is the concept of love languages. So I think there's five is like acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation, quality time and physical touch. And they talk about that. But what I notice is that sometimes that's not enough. It's one major part of your relationship. But you have to understand when you're in a stable relationship, every nitty gritty has new expectations attached to them. Like... Even how you make your bed can be a bone of contention. How you put your laundry away, how you wash the dishes, all these little mm -hmm. things add up. And you have to have conversations with your partner about this. And I know it sounds incredibly mundane. It sounds so 
rudimentary or simplistic, but it adds up. And I think one problem I notice, like when friends complain about relationships, right, is because they ignore all the little things. So little mm. things like not using a proper paper towel to clean the countertop can exacerbate into something more because all the little things just culminate into a bigger problem. Mm. So I think that's one big part. The other part I also notice um, happens is that when people start to get the wandering eye, like when couples, like one party in a couple uh, gets the wandering eye, I feel it's not always a desire to cheat or to be unfaithful. Of course, there are, there are exceptions, right? But I do feel a lot of times it's because there's a they feel a sense of lack uh mm. and for me i will speak honestly about this like for me my like i, I feel like that okay i've had two relationships but the two relationships <laughs> are really like um are very polar opposites in a way because mm. the first i would get the wandering eye but it was because i felt like there was a lot of times where i would be bullied or ridiculed or made to feel very small about myself so i would look outward by your partner right yeah by my partner and like i would look outwards and wonder hey would they treat me better would i laugh more with them would i cry less with them i thought like that Mm -hmm. but my second relationship because i was really happy (laughs) for most part (laughs) until the end uh, I never thought about anything like that. It was always about like, you know, how can I mm-hmm. ensure that my partner is happy? So I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you take away the part that someone is a jackass and wants to cheat, I think wondering I as a concept is because sometimes something's lacking. And sometimes it can be as simple as like, you're not getting uh, enough compliments or you've not had your favorite meal in a while with your partner. Like little, little things like that. Sometimes it could be big things, like something in the something's wrong in the bedroom. You're not getting... Mm. Okay, I'll admit to this. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe, like I've heard this, you're not getting an... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh. You're not getting a sexual position that you enjoy in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, you have to talk to your partner about this. The problem I feel... Like, you know, when my friend comes to me, I'm perfectly fine, you want to complain to me, but I can't help you unless you're fine with me going to your partner and say like, hey, my friend says you're not giving her enough doggy style. Then, yeah, that's another bone of contention altogether. But So, I think what you said about like the little things accumulate and like that's what causes that rift or like causes people to, like basically if you don't talk about it with the small things, that what escalates. And... The other, like the, the other thing that you talked about was how that wandering eye is because of something you lack. And even that something you lack might be very small, like what you said, like a compliment. My question there is, if I'm just thinking, right, if someone tells their partner like, oh, um, I think you should compliment me more or, um, you know, let's try this position. Do you think there's a chance that the partner thinks it's a very trivial thing without, I'm just kind of like, sometimes it's easy for people to just dismiss things like it was just a very small thing. It's not a big Mm. deal. And I think that's a lot of the problem because I feel like sometimes when my friends like talk to me about, you know, I don't know, thinking about your colleague or thinking about an ex or like, you know, when you kind of start um, having that wondering eye, whether it's someone else in the bar or like someone else you've known about, um, it might just be a very simple thing and they think it's like, no, it's just this, it's just that. And it, they individually kind of dismiss it as a very trivial thing because they feel that if they say that to their partner, it's a very trivial thing. How do you, I guess, navigate that and recognize that it's not actually trivial, but it's something that, it's a small thing, but it's something you need that needs to be said. I feel like that's a big problem though. I don't know what you think. Wait, so you're asking how I would go about doing it? because I I feel like yeah like what would you tell people who feel that because I feel a lot of the times people think it's like it's just trivial it's just a small thing like is it it's so weird to tell my partner to like compliment me more or like tell my partner to I don't know kiss me more if I was you know what I mean yeah yeah I do if I was in a bitchy mood and my friend said that to me I'll be like then why why are they your partner like if you feel if you feel conscious then mm. they shouldn't be a partner. I mean, if I was in a really bitchy mood, but I'm rarely that mm-hmm. bitchy. Rarely. 
Rarely. <laughs> Rarely. Okay. Okay. Let's let's talk honestly speaking. Okay. Obviously, I will care about my friend. Um, I would say that you know you should bring it up because it bothers you enough to tell me about it. I think that's the problem, mm-hmm. right? People. I I've always been very shocked when friends complain to me about stuff and not tell their partners, um, mm. because it's not something like something transient. Like uh, no, no no not transient. It's not something that's very. Uh, it is not something that happens for a brief moment of time. Like for example, if you were slighted by someone, if you were treated badly at a restaurant, if you were, if you had a bad. Um, if you had a near miss on the on the traffic, mm. for example, those are like just isolated events that mm. probably don't really have a lot of bearing in the long run. But mm. when you're talking about a long term commitment, I would think that you're in it for the long haul, right? So I would think mm. that you know these things matter, and you really should have conversations with your partner about it. Now, my caveat is that I think a lot of people don't go about communicating it correctly because Mm. there are certain things that I feel I okay this is just for me I feel that girls and guys before you get into relationships you guys really need to find out how to talk to each other the one thing I've always been very shocked about is when I find when I hear my female friends straight female friends tell me that they talk to their straight male male partners partners I need to talk uh, we need to talk I'm like, any, anyone <laughs> knows, most people should know, that is a warning sign. Guys are programmed to run for the hills and scream for their lives when they hear that because they don't know how to process that. Um, yeah. I don't know how to explain why guys feel that way, but even for me, when I have even female friends that just are friends, like if Stephanie was yeah. a girl, I'd be like, holy fuck, what did I do wrong? Because... It just puts them into a panic mode. You have to find out mm-hmm. what triggers your partners. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's not really a way to learn it. Like, there's no manual. I would write one if anyone was interested. But you need. Yeah, and I think it's because every person communicates differently and wants to be communicated to differently. So, yeah. It's, it's like, it's a bit like the love language thing. You just need to understand the other person's communication style. Yeah. And adapt to it. Yeah, and um, and, and I and feel that's like that's why you can't And and I feel like people story. also need to understand that even if you know your partners well, it's not really a fixed framework because then you know if mm. he was having a bad day, if he was having a good day, exactly the kind of boundaries around how you speak to him can change. And so I feel that's something that's very important. But you know, going back to your main question, because that was the initial question is that I really feel like if it's important enough for you to bring it up to your close friend or your best friend or whatever mm-hmm. it is, then it's important enough for you to bring it to your partner. And I think that the big problems I've seen, and I've only been, I would say, privileged enough to hear you know, from my friends the kind of problems they have, I, I feel like it would, have been addressed, it would have been addressed a long time ago if they had just mm-hmm. started with, can you clean it better? <laughs> you know, just, just that, that one something yeah. just became like arguing about divorce you know like mm. it, it just grew so much in such a short period of time yeah and i think a lot of the times it's when it becomes a big fight that people bring up these small things and then it just becomes a very petty argument where all of these little petty things come to life only when a bigger argument kind of erupts and then it loses the not impact but it loses the the value of how those little things actually matter because i was watching this is a random i was watching this um korean drama and i think it's based off of an english show called the world of the married which is from dr foster anything but basically it, it just shows how every little thing um the the woman or the wife has been patient with her husband for for like years and has put up with very little things but when she finds out that he is cheating on her um, she gets really mad she does a lot of crazy things and people just blindly kind of label her as crazy without realizing that it's a she reached a point of crazy because she's been suppressing and having all of these kind of small little things accumulate that kind of just erupts at one final moment and i think as you say like you just need to start with the small things 
So my next question to you, Azri, the only voice of reason on this panel with regard to relationships, the only experienced one. So I feel like those little things, I think if you make an effort and say it in the right way, it will make a difference in terms of, you know, can you clean it better? Can you put the bed sheet in this way whatever? What if it comes to a point where it's a bit more about that wondering eye situation, <laughs> you know, when, and then, and I think with that, a lot of the times it's a, a feeling of guilt as well, because you know, you're not supposed to feel that way, but you do, and you can't stop yourself from feeling that way. And I think people then struggle to tell their partners about it because then it feels like they're, they're emotionally cheating on them. I don't know. Like when you said in your first relationship where you had a wondering eye, did you ever talk to him about it? Like your partner about it? Or did you no. just? Exactly. So then in that situation, what do you think people should do though? But in your case, it was different because you were seeking out in a way because it was a very toxic relationship because you know you were belittled you were bullied in that relationship right but if you're in a stable secure relationship but then it's just that you know the newness has faded the thrill has faded mm. faded the honeymoon phase has gone and you're mm. just in a very comfortable stable secure relationship but then you kind of like are looking out because you want a bit of a thrill or it's something that as you say like there's something lacking may not be very big but it's just a small part of you that's lacking yeah. something how do you then would you tell you talk to your partner about it or not or like how would you talk to your partner about it i guess uh okay i think if okay if assuming everything else is i wouldn't say perfect but if everything else is pretty much set you know like you know you guys are stable everything is fine everything is good i was actually discussing with stephanie about this like you know a lot of times i think when someone feels that way it it is possible that in the relationship that they have felt eclipsed or invisible and i think it's an example i can give is for example when you're in a relationship with someone for the long haul um your partner always decides where to eat or always decides what movies to watch or always decides the hotel sorry the holiday itinerary it seems very basic but i think it does it does diminish the other party in a way because you sort of like take the reins on everything. Um, so that is one major factor. I think how you address it is assuming you don't want to talk to your partner about it. First, recognize that there's a problem. Obviously, you have to recognize mm. that there's something right before you can address it. And then find out first if you can address it for yourself. So for example, are there things that you can do to empower yourself? Um, I don't know how to explain this without giving an example. Okay, so for example, you have a wandering eye because you feel that your partner is not taking their health care very responsibly. Maybe they were fit last time, maybe now they sort of just decided to mm -hmm. relax, which happens, which happens, which is fine. But what you can do is maybe mm -hmm. just, you know, start to take charge about it. Start initiating something you can do together. Maybe going to play tennis together, going for a jog or a swim. Something that mm -hmm. could just reignite your power in the relationship. Like you could take charge a little and also mm -hmm. help bring things into alignment without talking to them directly about it. If that makes sense. Mm. So that's one example yeah. I can think of. So I guess it's sort of like, it, it's a win-win situation, right? You can don't, you don't have to always talk to your partner directly about it. But you also have to realize that you do have power to enact change within the relationship. Uh, mm. But of course, I'm saying this from the basis of you are in a healthy position in the relationship. Mm -hmm. If you're in a toxic one like mine, and... If you don't leave, know, if you don't know you're in a toxic relationship, I guess my best advice would be: Do you spend more time crying? Because I, I, honestly speaking, my friends all knew it was toxic before I realized it was toxic, mm -hmm. and it was only when I left, or I, I, I didn't leave, I was dumped. I'll be very honest. Um, my friends told me that you know they never liked it because they thought that it was toxic, and the whole time I was like, oh my god. No one told me anything. So I guess my advice to you would be like, if you feel that you spend more time experiencing heartbreak and crying, mm -hmm. I think that's a big warning sign. 
that is toxic. And then, as Stephanie said, you should leave. But I also admit that it wasn't. It's not easy for people to just up and leave, especially if you've been in a committed yeah. relationship. Committed relationship that was healthy and then became toxic. I think that's the most difficult ones. Mm. Um, but like I said before, it starts with you acknowledging that there's a problem first. Mm. And I think what you said around that reigniting your power or like almost like taking charge is probably the only way you can feel empowered. Because a lot of the times, I think when you sit and you think about like whether it's wandering eye or you think there's issues in the relationship it it feels like a moment of weakness um but whether you feel guilty whether you feel ashamed whether you feel frustrated or angry it's it feels like a, a moment of weakness right so i think like taking charge if you're in a healthy relationship you know that you still have power to kind of change the course of the relationship um then yeah i think that whole recognizing the problem and taking finding ways to solve it it's good what you said at the end was quite interesting about how you know some relationships start out healthy and it becomes toxic mm. do you think it happens because people don't solve those small little issues or like don't talk about them or or do you think sometimes it's just true colors of people showing up in the end or is it a mix of both Oh god. Sorry, this is like such difficult questions. Um I guess it's not I don't think it's ever easy to really answer unless you've really experienced like you really mm. go through everyone's relationships wow. which is not possible. Yeah. Um of course the the very politically correct answer would be to say that you know it's a mix of both. Uh for me I think whether it is whether uh it's just true colors or whether it's just you know, just time or it's a build up all those little things. I feel mm. like those don't really matter because it's sort of like who cares? It became toxic. It's mm. it's bad. You know what I mean? It's just so mm. it's just so heartbreaking and sad. I think the bigger problem is I think pe- people don't really talk about it um in a way that I think creates healthy conversations I, I don't know I'm not sure about how you feel about it but I just feel like you know I'm, even up to this point I don't think that I ever hear anyone talking about like hey we need to educate teenagers on toxic friendships or toxic relationships mm-hmm. at schools yeah. we, we talk so much about oh let's not get not, let's not allow students to get into relationships but no one talks about toxicity in relationships mm-hmm. so I feel like mm-hmm. that's a bigger problem but okay, since you brought it up and I always always make it a point to answer questions, I feel for me... Oh God, my relationship. Um, okay, for my... Let's, let's start with my second relationship. My second relationship was a culmination of little things. I don't think mm-hmm. that my partner was a toxic person, but mm-hmm. there were things that they Wanted. needed. <laughs> there were things that they needed. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it. Um, but I, I think, like, what I said and what... Like, I, I felt like it was just a goat and chicken talking to each other because I, I felt like I was just trying to... <laughs> I was just trying to explain my point of view and then they would mm-hmm. just explain their point of view, not understanding what I was right. trying to say. And I think everyone in an argument says that, like, oh, they didn't listen to what I said. And I feel... I feel like I did better than that. I feel like I did better than that because... Um, okay, you know what? Let's just let's just talk about it. So basically, they wanted more sex. I wasn't mm-hmm. comfortable having a lot of sex. I wasn't comfortable having sex, period. Because I, I just wasn't comfortable. And... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was just very hard for me to explain, like, why. I just kept trying to explain it, explain it, but I just wasn't reaching. I just wasn't making my point clear enough, I guess. And uh, unfortunately, they just couldn't be patient enough and, you know, ended up having sex with someone else. And it broke my heart and I was very, very devastated because I thought that we could find ways. I thought, you know, I could be more comfortable with time but apparently I wasn't granted enough time. And then, yeah. Mm. So so that's that. That's the second relationship. The first relationship, um, let's 
see. The first relationship, I think, was really just probably just true colors because um, it was mm. it was a lot of belittling, like you know, oh, Azri, you're too slow. You know, you need to do more. You're not doing enough. And at first, I was just like, oh wow, okay, I'm not doing enough. But after a while, I was like, oh my god, I was just so tired, and I still was scolded for not doing enough. You know, you know, it just it was just messing my brain yeah. constantly. So I felt like that was that really showed me what kind of inherently toxic person that person, person. was. So yeah, I, I think it's a mix. And I don't think it really matters. I think it's more important to talk about toxicity. But yeah, that's my yeah. Answer. And I think that's a good point though because it's there is, I guess, not a board like a, a line where you need to talk about the issues. Like in your second relationship, right? There is a there was a point where both of you kind of had the conversation, but it got to a point where you couldn't align or your needs wasn't a line and, you, and that's where you kind of draw the line and said I mean it's unfortunate that he, oh, they had to cheat on you sorry um, but <laughs> you can edit that out um, but I think it's it's kind of knowing when it's the right time to say this is not working out for us or either of us and kind of that's when an, a relationship ends and that's okay I think it's about knowing where it's suitable to actually work on something and you know that's actually a mutual benefit or value in in a relationship versus knowing that this is not going to work out for you and i think that's also important to discuss i think we've obviously taken not not the positive way but kind of saying how people don't even try to make things work but i think there's an element of trying but also knowing when to stop when it doesn't work out um and actually what you talked about in your first relationship reminded me of an article i actually read this morning about this girl who found herself being very oppressed by her very strict dad. Um, she was 17 and wasn't allowed to have relationships or talk to boys or whatever, like what you said, you know, mm. like in a lot of Asian cultures, um, at, quite, when you're a teenager, yeah. you're not. And she basically um, thought that falling in love would be the only way for her to escape her father's kind of oppression. She ended up in a relationship with a guy who actually sexually assaulted her. Um, and in a way, she knew the red flags from the beginning, but almost like in her head, it was her one way to get out of the oppression she was currently feeling at that point of time, only to find herself a couple of months later, a couple of weeks later, that that guy was worse off than her dad because he was controlling her every move, abusing her in 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 other ways. And I think that's also something that, people need to realize in terms of in whatever relationship or partners that relationship you get into a partner like doing a bit of self-reflection to say why are you in that relationship or not because sometimes as you say it's not easy to when you're in a toxic relationship sometimes you don't realize it until it gets to a point where you are just in a very bad place um I'm, i i i don't have any like i i don't know whether i can give any good advice to help people who might be in those situations but I think it just comes with I guess self-reflection a little bit or being a bit I honestly I don't think I'm in a position to actually give any advice but I think sometimes you don't you just don't realize it until and in this story this girl was basically saying she got pregnant and she got um and she ran away to another city or something like that for her to get away from that person and then she was saying how Years later, she Googled him and he was a police officer and she was just kind of wow. stunned at how he became a police officer. But then recently, she then saw that he was arrested for hitting and abusing his partner at that time. So that's, again, like an example of an inherently toxic person is just the kind of person he is. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes it just takes time for you to, in any relationship, it just takes time for you to actually understand who the person you see when you first meet is probably a version of that person, but the more you kind of spend time with them, you you kind of, I guess, peel the layers of that person. Um, so I guess there's no, as as we said, there's no rule book or hard and fast kind of tricks and tips to like fix things or like you know um, find solutions. I think in every relationship, there's going to be ups and downs and positives and negatives, and it's kind of talking with each other recognizing whether you're in a healthy relationship or not, whether you're in a position to discuss things, 
healthily or not and then drawing the line of whether this is worth it or not is probably the only thing I can say from an outsider perspective I've never been in a relationship Mm -hmm. yeah I mean that's the thing I guess I guess the whole purpose like like you said earlier right the whole purpose was for us to provide an outsider perspective so you know I guess that's what we're doing with the limited knowledge that we have um but of course to to my point earlier you know like yes you know you should talk to your partner about it as best you can but at the same time you also have to realize that sometimes no one or talking will reach them and sometimes it's not because they're toxic or not toxic it's just like that they're, mm. they're just not willing to listen and mm. and change um that is a whole yeah it's other, just... that's a whole other can of worms because i feel like sometimes these people just get into relationships because they just want to have a family and just like you know satisfy societal um, requirements or expectations so that's another can of worms that I'm not going to get into but uh, Stephanie do you want to add something before I continue? Yeah I think that's the other thing to say is like sometimes it's not whether it's toxic or not toxic it's sometimes just not a alignment on I guess priorities and needs um and and sometimes you can work through it sometimes you just can't because both sides don't want to give up their personal or like their individual kind of needs and desires and you know people always use the word compromise and i don't think compro- i i don't know whether i hate that word but i feel like it sometimes like it's just word a word either. used to yeah it's like it's just used to and a lot of parents say that when like that whole societal need to get married and like um, a lot of people use the word compromise to say that you know you just need to compromise to make things work. But sometimes it's it's if you st- if you keep compromising, then that's when you kind of hit that level of crazy, and then things just blow out of proportion as well. So I think it's just being a bit not like be I was going to say open, but like being open to learn about your partner in different facets and different needs is the only way you can learn how to navigate. A relationship i think and i think it's not just a partner relationship it's like with anyone with your parents with your friends your siblings like you just need to know how to communicate with them or how to better understand what their needs and desires are mm. and um for me i don't like the word compromise because a lot of times when i hear it being used it's not really a solution is more like one person mm-hmm. sort of like tries to bottle their resentment while the other person yeah. gets their way one time and then they reverse they reverse roles the next Some, time. not really sometimes it's just the same person compromising and the same person getting what they want a lot of the times that's what I, happens I mean, I mean that's the worst that's the worst case scenario but yeah I was trying to be more hopeful but apparently not <laughs> but um, another example I was thinking of um, was this line I heard from this uh, TV series Cashmere Mafia it was actually discontinued because of the writers union strike in 2007 my god I still remember mm-hmm. But um, there was a character, there was a scene where the character basically says that, you know, that I'm sure there are parts of you that have gotten lost or buried in this marriage. And for some reason, that line really struck out to me. I'm so sorry for the ice cream man that's <laughs> ringing in the background. Can you hear that? Yeah, okay. Well, ice cream anyone? But anyway, Singapore is freezing and an ice cream man comes along. When Singapore is Honey. boiling, they don't come at all. It's like, I don't get their logic. Singapore is still 28 degrees or whatever it is. It's, it's like minus one. Today. Or it's eight degrees. Well, well, I mean, for Singapore standards, it's pretty cold. Yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. That line really made me think about compromise in general because I think that's what happens when you compromise. You sort of just bury parts of yourself to help someone else be happy. And I feel like that's not... It's not a sustainable approach. And I think that's why so many people just end up being very unhappy. Mm. And there are people who resort to newness, passion. And one thing that I wanted to talk about, I was telling Stephanie, I really wanted to, I really wanted to discuss this, was when, you know, back when I was in university, not that it was a very long time ago, but whether I was at, my bachelor's level or my master's level, I was made aware, like, you know, there were a lot of sex parties going around. And specifically because, you know, my circle, I had quite a number of gay friends as well. They would t- they would tell me that, you know, they were going to these gay parties. 
gay orgies. Okay, disclaimer, this was before COVID, so they were not breaking any social distancing rules. And I was very shocked at it because I was just very... Yeah, it sounds hedonistic. It sounds like, you know, all frivolous and awesome and passionate mm. and all that stuff. But I was just thinking, oh my God. It, I guess for me, just a hug can make me so emotionally attached to someone. I can't imagine having sex with multiple people and like walking <laughs> away from that without having any sort of repercussion. Mm. I, I was like partially in admiration of their of them but partially shocked and like really, really, um, like I, I guess appalled. But what really stood up for me was would be you know how my friends would tell me about how you know they would go on forums and stuff, and then they will see guys who are in their fifties, very, very you know established men making millions of dollars sometimes, just paying for guys, just paying for companionship, and they would buy their guys anything like like what Audema watches, Birkin bags, just to just to have their loyalty. And you know, mm-hmm. when you ask them why are they doing this, like why didn't they do this back then, they would say, Oh, because they were into this sort of frivolous things. And I would be like mm-hmm. I would tell my friends, don't doesn't this sort of tell you not to do that? Because like you don't want to sort of become another statistic when you're fifty. But then Stephanie rightly pointed out to me, not many people think that way. And it just, Mm. I I guess in a way, you know, when people seek newness, when people are so, um, when you've tasted that high of passion constantly, you just need a higher hit. And I think we've talked about this drug analogy last week, but last episode, but I guess it works again for this episode. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, I don't know, really saddening as well. And I, and I get that in to a certain degree where I feel like when you're in twen- in your 20s and your 30s, you're still figuring life out in a way. Um, like for a lot of people, it's kind of like you're figuring out like if this career path is what's right for you or if the city is where you want to live or, you know, kind of from a more, out like from a very selfish individual perspective. And I think the thought of being in a very serious committed relationship is just something that people see as it might just put a wrench in your in your path or like your mm. um, whatever plans you might have or like it reduces the flexibility of moving countries or switching jobs or, you know, because a lot of the times when people think committed relationships like family, it's kind of like I need financial stability. So I can't just move jobs because I need I have kids to feed or, you know, that state of mind. And the only way they can please their carnal needs is through you know um it's through being in a very casual kind of environment Mm -hmm. and as you say it's kind of like once you try it it's like a drug right it's like a high and it's like you you spend i don't know a month or like a couple of weeks with someone and then after that it's kind of like it stagnates there's no newness anymore you go move on to the next person Mm. um and and in a way, I think in that movie as well, I think that's what it shows, like that's what people were craving for. And, and especially in today's world where instant gratification is what a lot of people, it's like a true psychological problem. And that's what happens. It's like, you just need to refresh and refresh and like, you know, keep that pattern. And I think, as I said earlier, it's like it reaches a point of exhaustion. And for a lot of people, that point of exhaustion becomes when you're 50. Um, and it almost becomes a bit, too late i don't want to say that because you know we're in this world where age doesn't matter and blah 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 um but you know it becomes to a point where you might have lesser people who might be on the same um view as you and sometimes like when you're 50 and you're single and you're looking for someone people have all sorts of perceptions perceptions as to who you are and oh he's just being a sugar daddy or she's just being a i don't know what's the what's the female equivalent cougar anyway or milford Sugar whatever daddy is what? not cool girl. i don't know okay okay no cougar's I, the female I get version i get, I get, I get the point i, no I get but yeah point. it's uh, and i think um what where was i going with this um like and when you get with the, someone who's older there's preconceived notions about yeah, the kind of person and and i guess it, on the flip side with people in relationships um, when they kind of are feeling that bored or get that wandering eye, 
they look to their single friends and they think that they are having the time of their lives mm. moving from one person to another um especially those who are active in their dating lives um and i think that's where you know they always say the grass is greener on the other side like we all, and then the single people look to the people with the stable relationships like oh maybe that will be quite nice but then they get into it and they're like oh that's boring so i think it's really dependent on what your needs and desires are at any point in life mm. um and what you re- and I, i think for most of us we just don't know what we want at any point in time um i think you just kind of follow what your heart tells you or what what feels good at that point in time i think yeah. i don't know if i made any sense yeah yeah you did I, no i was just i was just thinking things through i guess the like you know when you said about how you know people who are in a relationship in a stable relationship look to their single friends i guess that's where they sort of feel that thirst to explore and like you know reach the <laughs> thirst the thirst to explore and like you know rekindle their passions and and i guess that's why some people end up in i've heard a lot of these stories where you know um they rekindle it by having a threesome with someone else outside of the relationship just to kind of you know try something i'm not saying everyone go and have a threesome but you know people some people go to those and like i feel like that's why some people more and more actually are in open relationships as well it's like you have that companionship but then you keep things and it might work for some people it might not work for other people it really comes down to who you are as a person in your personality um in whether something would work or not i have two stories about threesome not personal <laughs> but stories so the first was that you know like what stephanie said it was this couple that decided to have a threesome mm. but unfortunately they had it uh so they they had it with someone i i don't know if they knew that person well but so couple okay let's let's give alphabet so couple uh a and b are a couple a. and they decided mm. to have a threesome together with x with x okay and during the sex a noticed that b was moaning way more with x than with a and that led to a fight where a and a accused b of like wow so you enjoy sex with x more than me and then you can imagine am i making sense Yeah. Yeah, and and you can imagine where that where that argument went. And it just I don't know, it just made me think like what what do you expect? But um the flip the flip story the flip side and also the flip story was that um I had this friend from school who was with someone. They decided mm-hmm. to have a threesome. And then they end up mm-hmm. they realized it was so awesome that they end up being like a serious committed threesome. and he would tell me about how oh you know if i fight with with one person one i can go to person two and discuss how to make things work out again and i'm like <laughs> okay cool and then after a while i was yeah. like could you return me my money because he will always he will always borrow money from me back then and i'm like you have two partners to ask money from can't you ask them instead of me okay but anyway Yeah. Um but yeah I think that's that's the thing though like you just need to figure out what works for you and your partner and your relationship cuz like the thought of a polyamorous relationship might be like what the hell for some people and they can't ever see them in mm. it. like and for some people it just works like as you say like whoever that person is is like yeah. oh if I fight with one I can go to two um and then they can kind of fix things together it's more of a triage situation triage. than having to face it alone um and in another the other situation is kind of like if you're the jealous type or you're going to get where it's yeah. no longer seen as fun and it's going to you you're going to you're insecure and you're going to see it as some sort of flaw in you just because your partner enjoys another person more then probably that's not right for you so i think in any relationship or sexual relationship or whatever um it's more about understanding your dynamic between you and your partner and your individual personalities and then sorting out whether how you fix it or whether it's worth worth it or not sometimes like mm. sometimes relationships end because you just can't align on needs and desires which is fine because that's how life works yeah well with that i think that we've pretty much covered all the things that we wanted to talk about uh but before mm-hmm. you know well stephanie wraps us up um i'll, I'll because Stephanie's going to wrap us up so I will start with my final thoughts. 
so I just want to thank everyone for sticking with us through 2020. I can't believe it's 2021. Not because of the timeline, but more, you know, from this podcast, it started out being like, you know, just nothing. And then it started becoming very serious and, you know, getting emails from schools that wanted to take us on some podcast platform thing. I don't even know whether Stephanie followed up with them <laughs> to getting, you yeah. know, um, okay, never mind. To getting, um, you know, contacted on Instagram about how, you know, they actually loved the podcast episodes. I received one. I forgot to tell Stephanie about this one. Um, this person told me that uh, she felt everyone should listen to our episodes. And I was like, oh my God, that's so sweet. So, you know, to, to those, you know, listeners who, you know, reached out to, to me, to us and let us know, it really means a lot, especially to me. I don't know how Stephanie feels about it, but for me, it just made me feel like, it was more than us. I don't. I don't know. I think one thing I've always felt like I always wanted to do something that's bigger than just myself, or more than just two of us. So, thank you so much for that, and thank you for sticking with us through all the technical difficulties we've had over this year. Granted, we're not. When I mean, we we started this on a whim, so it was bound to happen. Um, all the delays, all the mishaps, all the funky audio levels you know i did the best i possibly could i really hope you guys had a wonderful end to 2020 and hopefully we have a wonderful 2021 but even if the year continues to suck it does not mean that we cannot be better individuals and hopefully we can be better as a podcasting duo too so stephanie any final thoughts for your end well, I don't think I can be any more articulate or eloquent as Azri. And all I can say is thank you. I was just looking at the stats in terms of we've had 240 plays on our podcast, which is really a lot for something that we don't promote much and something, as Azri said, yeah. went on a whim with. And every week we kind of just basically chat like how we do on a normal telephone call. So thank you, everyone. And I, it's really heartening to hear that actually people actually think that this is somewhat good although sometimes we're like did we actually say something useful so thank you everyone for listening and we'll come with a new season soon um so watch this space follow us on instagram at underscore thoughts and subscribe to us on spotify anchor fm google podcast apple podcast whatever platform you use to listen to us that's it from us for this season bye bye-bye Woohoo!